Hi, welcome to the Happiness Hive podcast. I'm Catherine Bowyer and I am completely fascinated by people and what motivates them. I've spent the past three and a half decades specialising in mindset and human behaviour and I've helped thousands of people to create happy and amazing lives. And now I am super excited to be chatting with women from around the world who I have secret and to be honest, not so secret crushes on. They're women who inspire me. I'm intrigued as to how they do life and what makes them tick. I want to find out their magic formula that makes them who they are. And at the end of the episode, I'd love for you to say, I'd like a little bit of what she's having. The conversations are real and raw. They're full of passion, inspiration and lots of fun. And nothing is off limits. So grab yourself a cuppa or pop on your trackie and go for a walk and join us for today's chat. There may just be that pearl of wisdom you need to hear. So let's shimmy on over and get started. Oh, hello, my beautiful, beautiful friend. This is Tierra Stewart and Tierra's joining me from all the way across the globe. So you're in Los Angeles, aren't you, Tierra? I am. Yes, and I'm here. You know what? You're telling me I am all the way from Los Angeles. And in my eyes, I'm thinking, my goodness, people, do you understand how we call you? Of course you do, down under. But to me, that's a very, very, very far away. In other words, just to think about it, we have spring, you guys have fall. Yes. and I don't understand how can people have fall in May. I know, it's a different... It's different, isn't it? We've, it's been really mild here. It hasn't been that cold, but I think this weekend it's starting. I think that's where it will start to, it'll start to get cold. And when I see all of my gorgeous friends from America, they're starting to, you know, spring is happening. And you're going the opposite way. Yeah, we're going the opposite. So we're, we're spinning that way. You're spinning. <laughs> Now, we connected last year. We were together in a, our, the spiritual psychology program that we're both participating in, and we just kind of clicked, didn't we? There was just this beautiful yes in, in the group environment. So tell me a little bit about you. How come you – why are you studying spiritual psychology? I'll tell you what. First of all, I would like to tell you that Australia, in my mind – and the mind of every Ukrainian is some kind of a fantastic, uh, dreamy, magical, unreal place on this planet, which is not fit into anybody's thinking and is uh, completely exotic, as exotic as it can be. And now I'm thinking, hey, Ukraine is exotic for you probably, although you probably have Ukrainians there as well. So for me to to get acquainted with people, part of your charm was that you were from Australia. And I looked and I'm thinking, unbelievable. These are the names I learned in grade seven in my school, Canberra. Of course, mm-hmm. I remember. So anyways, uh, so that's part of the reason it is so interesting for me to talk to you and to other people. And of course, spiritual psychology came to me. Of course, uh, I was always interested in spiritual matters very, very much. And I was born and was growing up in the Soviet Union where there was no spirituality to speak of. And yet it was latent. It was in the air. You could feel it. And I wanted and it was very interesting for me. But then, long story short, I get my uh, I grow up and uh, become a young adult at the time of Berlin Wall going down going to Europe, the first generation of people in the Soviet Union who had an opportunity to get education out of the Soviet Union, because basically it was a prison, as, by the way, is today's Russia. That's why I understand it so well. And then I become a political advisor, and I very quickly understood that something was off. Something was seriously off, and I couldn't quite understand what it was, and it was, it became so bad that although I was very successful, I felt that it's a hopeless endeavor, that international affairs is a hopeless thing. And I left the field, became a professor. And when I was sitting in spiritual psychology class, for the first time, I thought, oh, these are correct principles. These are the principles that work. 
they are universally applicable. Oh, that's how you approach international relations. That's how you approach cultural diversity in intercultural relationships and understanding. That's how I got interest in spiritual psychology. Then the war in Ukraine started and I happened to be a Ukrainian, which I did not quite understand myself because, you know, in the chunk of the world, a huge territory, 12 time zones, you know, Ukraine and it grows into Belarus and then it goes into Russia yeah, yeah. and then 11 time zones later. And you kind of, this was a large connected community. The war started. I understood I was a Ukrainian, not a Russian. And I would love to explain uh, the difference oh, somewhere okay. down the line. Oh, look, I would love to, to hear that. But can I take you back a little bit? So you grew up in the in Ukraine? I was born in Ukraine. Yes. Mother is Ukrainian, and yes. my mother's first language is Ukrainian. Yes. And she graduated from Ukrainian high school, which, yes. by the way, was not a common occurrence in Ukraine. No, no, I wouldn't think so, no. So, so she was very Ukrainianized, so to say. Yes. Grandma speaks Ukrainian, mom speaks Ukrainian, and they uh, talk to each other. Yes. And so my first language was Ukrainian. Yes. But my father is from the Caucasus Mountains, which probably for an Australian mean nothing. These are mountains, tallest mountains in Europe that separate Asia from Europe. Yes. Let me tell you where it is, where Georgia, Armenia, yes. maybe you yes. remember Kardashians, yes. Yes. Kardashians are from Armenia, yes. that, that Eurasian look. Yes. yes. And so my father is from there, but I spent all my summer holidays in Ukraine. Then I graduated from high school in Ukraine. My father is a military man. So I'm in one of the largest Russian cities, St. Petersburg. And I thought it was one and the same thing. I literally could not split it. When, when, when you learn language as a small child, you just go from one language to another and you don't even notice the difference. Boy, don't I know it now. And psychologically and even spiritually, it is a very, very important distinction to me. And I did not know it. Oh, that's interesting. So then you said you went, you moved out from Russia, you went to Europe, is that right? Like you moved, yeah. Yes, so I studied in St. Petersburg University. And at that time, Soviet Union started falling apart. And when such a huge country is falling apart, which, by the way, will happen to Russia again, it's, it's horrendous to watch, horrendous. Wars, local conflicts everywhere. And so I basically was on the last plane leaving the Caucasus where I was sent because of my father's ethnic background. In other words, they don't even ask you. They send you to work there because you're considered to be a local ethnicity. Right. Uh, Long story. We'll not go into it. But long story. But today's situation between Ukraine and Russia is actually based on that story. But in any case, so I go and uh, I graduated from St. Petersburg, was in the Caucasus and met a bus uh, full of Americans. Long story short, uh, (laughs) I go to study in Europe. From Europe, I call Americans and lo and behold, my homecoming party in the United States was in a state capital of the state of Utah, which is, by the way, called Mormon state. Yes, yes. Because Mormons live there, and it's a very, very particular way of life, yes, yes. but it's very picturesque, let's put yes. it this way, because it's a mountain, ski resorts, good roads, very good morale, yes. and a, a very particular lifestyle. So. Yes. So studied in Germany and then in Switzerland. And I knew that I did not want to stay in Europe. To me, it was the old world. As much as I appreciated it, the moment I landed in the United States, it was the first time I actually understood how new worlds look. United States is a new world. Australia is a new world. Canada is a new world, but has very strong stronger British overtones and probably so so does uh, Australia but these are new worlds these worlds are populated completely differently they form as nations completely differently and I understood that I want to be a part of the new world yeah and I (laughs) consider new world and you know what new worlds do they encapsulate how the world is going to develop further 
Yes. So in a sense, it's a hub. It's where the, the, the first inklings, the first uh, ways of how you're going to live. Like, for example, new worlds try to be racially equal, even if they were far from perfect in the yes. past. You're trying to be, you're trying to develop women movement, even if they, you, you were not perfect before. Yes. So yes. new worlds are a hub of new ideas. Europe does it, but does it very differently. And uh, please feel free to ask me because that's my specialty. Uh, I analyze societies and I analyze how societies think and how societies feel. And and that's what I was going to ask you too, because you mentioned that you were a political advisor and then you moved on from that. So is that what you were studying? So how did you get into the, because you're very, very successful and continue to be, but how did you get into the political advising space? I I would tell you it's not classified anymore. It's completely accidentally. Let me tell you how it happened. One of the largest aerospace programs between the former Soviet Union and United States of America was happening in Utah. Absolutely accidentally. I was invited to teach a class of Russian grammar. These people were hopeless. Russian grammar was not anything they would ever be able to study. But then what happened, they asked me, they said, why do these Russians do this and this? I say, simple. I'll tell you why. And they say, wait, 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 tell us more. Why do they, why are they so uh, uh, paranoid? I say, well, simple. I can explain it to you. And I would explain, explain, explain. And the CEO of uh, the Space Dynamics Lab said, Tayyara, pack your suitcases. We're, we're flying to the United States Congress. And so next day we're on the plane and we were in the United States Congress and we were talking to an armed services committee. And he said, wait, let me call my buddy who is a four-star general in the Pentagon. He's in charge of ballistic missile defense organization. You are going there. Next day I'm there. The general wow. says, Tayyara, pack your suitcases. You're flying to the Kremlin with us. And from then on, it went on and on and on and on. But you've moved on from that now, though, haven't you? You're not doing that now. Uh, I'm not you? doing it at the moment. But yeah. uh, And I thought that's it. I left political career, and I would love to explain how Washington operates and what yeah. happened in Washington. But it might not be interesting to you. That might be another conversation. We can do that in another course. I think that what, what we're talking about is what can we share with women How can we facilitate their progress? How we can facilitate the movement forward? Like, for example, one of the books that I am thinking about writing is before you said, look like a woman, think like a man. That was one of the most popular books. But today the book should be look like a man, but think and feel like a woman. Because in order uh, for us to move forward today, as the world prescribes, we should bring feminine energy big time. And I actually know what exactly needs to be brought. So if you're ever interested, please ask me. Yes. That's where we're in line is about women. For me, Tiara, it's about women being really comfortable and confident to show up as themselves. And, you know, I think there has been this movement that we have to be like men. And I don't believe that we, we do. I think we bring our a certain way of being and doing. And one of the things that I really work very hard with my community is to be able to feel comfortable in our own skins. And sometimes we've lost that along the way. And I think something that you and I have connected with that we're very, like I I operate in a masculine energy a lot. Like it's a lot of the doing, a lot of the getting stuff done but I also spend time in that feminine energy about my feelings, my emotions and the way I approach things. So I don't ever try and be like a bloke. And I think that's beautiful. So yes, I would love to maybe, maybe not the, the conversation now, but I think we, I would love to progress that with you around what, what that is to, you know, with the, the feminine. You are absolutely correct that both ways of existing are very, very important. Yes. We have to have doing, structuring, building part of our lives. Yeah. But here's what women do, which I think we all need to understand. 
there are things that we do very, very well. For example, our corpus callosum is constructed in such a way that we go from feelings to thinking yeah. uh, very, very quickly and very yeah. easily. And these two parts are connected. This is invaluable because the speed of life went up. Moreover, many decisions are made through feeling today, through yeah. feeling the situation. Yeah. A man needs to analyze everything. He needs to be trained to feel. Yeah. A woman does not need to be trained to feel. So what a woman does, she automatically connects thinking, feeling, connects the two, yeah. and develops a course of action or strategy much, much quicker. There are many, 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 many things that are adjacent to this field of thinking, women do not compete unless they're trained yeah. by, unless they're trained by the market, not the marketplace, but the workplace, we're trained to compete. In reality, we like to bond, connect, and form communities. That's what we do. And that's why any woman in the international relations field is wonderful Unless she sells herself short. And that happens all the time so far. And hopefully it will go away. But in any case, it definitely needs to be developed. That happens a lot in Australia too. I think a lot of women sell themselves short. And a lot of it is that not feeling confident to show up how they truly want to show up. So a lot of women I work with in the leadership space, they are not... I would say that they are not leading authentically. They are leading in a way that they feel is what is wanted from them, if that makes sense. It's almost like an expectation that they have to be like the blokes. And there there is quite a movement here, and I think it's probably the same in, in the US, but it's about really getting back into that authentic leadership. So how do you want to show up? Who are you at your core? And how can you utilize that to be able to lead effectively? I would like to tell you that it is a whole process and we get divorced from our femininity very, very early in life before we even understand what is happening to us. The whole society is saturated with male types of thinking. And English-speaking societies are actually ahead of anybody else. It's a cutting edge. That's where things are happening. But even in those societies, the process is only unfolding. And we need to first go back, all the way back, 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 and wake up uh, that femininity inside of us, and which is, I think, is a whole process. Remember this uh, book? It has a name because of the name. I did not want uh, to buy it. The second word is uh, pussy. And that's why Uh, I did not want to buy it. But once I bought it, I actually thought it was a very, very helpful book. Oh, good. Okay. And another one. Oh, I would love to share it with you. It, It has incredible set of exercises of how you connect to your femininity. Look at everything in today's world. Mm. Sex is defined along male ways. The workplace is defined, is defined by men. You know how I understood it? Uh, When I started traveling quite a bit, I started staying at hotels. And the moment I started staying at hotels, I immediately understood that they are for males. Look at the mirrors. They are for males. They are for their shaving. Look at the counter space. This is for males. These are not for curling irons yeah. or yeah. Uh, a bag with your name. <laughs> yes. uh, look at how showers are made. They are made for males. Like, for example, a handheld shower is very helpful to a woman because she can very quickly kind of wash her hair or do something else. But these are for males. And the way even hangers hang in the closet are for males. And I thought, oh, people, of course. Yeah. It's because women are not supposed to uh, travel. And the way work hours are defined, it's a very male arrangement. So no matter where you turn, you learn to betray yourself very, very, very early. I think we need to analyze very deeply, and I'm very interested in that as a specialist in international affairs, 
and international negotiations. What is feminine energy? How is feminine energy represented in the workplace? So let's talk about it. Uh, hopefully not that much makeup and no jackets, and we will discuss it. And I think yes. we will come to very interesting uh, yes. ideas. I would love to find out more. And we, and we were sort of talking about this the other day. You know, the, the terrible, terrible war that's happening. And for you to be Ukrainian, you've got family. How's that affecting you? Like what's, give us some insight into, because all we see is through the media and, mm-hmm. and, and you gave it quite a different perspective on things uh, when we were chatting the other day. So I would love for you to provide insights into what's happening mm-hmm. from your perspective. Yeah. First of all, all relatives are there. All of them. Parents are there. And when you have uh, elderly parents, it's difficult to take care of them when you are in one country and one city will add uh, the ocean between us and then on top of it at the war. And let me tell you, the first thing that people say, oh, how terrible. It is a terrible thing. And at first, this is how I defined war as well. I did not understand, did not have any other perspective. In fact, let me confess to you, I was talking to my daughter and we were discussing how quickly Ukraine will fall. And we were even secretly hoping for it because they were thinking, as long as people do not shoot, just as long as people do not shoot. Okay. Anything, anything. And then suddenly, unexpectedly for myself, number one, Ukraine did not fall. Yeah. The capital of Ukraine did not fall. And thirdly, I understood why they shouldn't. I was so surprised yeah. because that was the only thing I wanted. Like I was uh, telling my daughter, who cares? Okay. As long as banks stay open, grocery stores stay open. What do I care? Whether it's Russia, or Ukraine. Oh, yes, you do. And I did not know it. That was the greatest, greatest discovery that I possibly could have. That when people say war is terrible, I would say terrible and very often necessary. And very often you have to have it. And very often you have to get to the end of it. And you have to promise yourself to live after it if God allows. But that's number one. You know, it also applies to a personal life. How many times we avoid battles inside of us, wars inside of us that needs to be waged. And we don't have them because you don't want to have a war. And you have to have it. That was such a surprise. And I thought, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because I had such a conversation with God on that subject, because I was saying, for goodness sakes, God, if you exist, do you see what's happening? Like, uh, let me tell you uh, something about that. So 23rd of February, I'm going to bed, reading a book, you know, normal thing, telephone rings. And I'm thinking, you know, like any child, I'm thinking, oh, for goodness sakes, parents, I already talked to you today. (laughs) We don't need to talk one more time. What is it? babysitting me. I don't need you babysitting. So I answer the phone very, very disgruntled. And my mom says, Tahira, we're being bombed. Wait, bombed? What do you mean bombed? How can you be bombed? It's only in the movies that you're bombed. You cannot be bombed in real life. And the feeling that came immediately was the feeling of complete unprotectedness, yeah. like complete, like literally you cannot, uh, you cannot uh, define anything. Like, for example, I spent half of the night today uh, discussing my parents live close to the airport and uh, uh, several rockets uh, were shot by Russians there. And so we're discussing, is a rocket going to fall? Is it not going to fall? How are you going to run from the ninth floor to the first floor? These are elderly people. How will they go to the bomb shelter? What are they going to be in the bomb, to do with the bomb shelter? And on and on it goes. And suddenly it occurred to me, what are we discussing? Let's just go to bed and sleep. If this is your last night, so be it. And this is one of the lessons of the war. You actually surrender your life to God. Like war is an illustration of how life should be 
please don't laugh at me. One of the promises that I made to myself is that from now on to the end of my life, I will live as if I'm in the middle of the war. And when I say to people, people get so displeased with me. They say, what do you mean? You need to lead a peaceful life. You need to be very peaceful inside. Yes, in terms of never hating the enemy, And that is a special mechanism, how you go about it, because I had to go through it. Because the first impulse, I will hate you, I will hate you, I will hate you. And it's very easy, actually. It gives you fuel so that you could continue. And then I changed my mind. So, But the first lesson is that I learned and that from now on, I will live as if I'm in the middle of the war. And that is such an unexpected lesson that I never thought I would ever learn. And if you are interested, may I tell you why? Yes, please. please, Number one, you throw away any expectation for any outcome out of your life. And at the same time, you do not become passive. You actually move very fast. You do a lot. You fight like a lion, but you don't think about one moment outside of that situation. You don't think about tomorrow. You don't think a week ahead. You plan and plan very well, but you don't think about it, and your emotions are not tied up to any results because you always end up thinking about the future. The war removes it like you would not believe immediately. Just cut it off. You literally do not know whether you will be able to survive. Even if I physically survive to the end of the war, what's going to happen to my uh, parents? What's going to happen to my relatives? And a lot of things already happened. So that's lesson number one. Lesson number two is live life extremely intensely at the moment, in the moment, because your life, Hangs on it. Imagine, I, I see these soldiers in uh, in the trenches. These people move like lightning. They act effectively, think on their feet, and they do not worry or reminisce or anything. Move. They do stuff. And the moment I started doing stuff, life became so much easier for me. And I, I was the one who would be lying in bed, Thinking how unhappy I am and how much childhood trauma I have. Speaking about childhood trauma, here's what the war taught me. You know uh, how many years I spent analyzing childhood trauma and seeing what's behind it and how much it affected my thinking. And then I become very disgruntled and then I feel there is no future. Let me tell you, when you formed a picture of your future, and you grasp it, concentrate on the future, even if you have one day to live. This future, your image in that future, your promising future, your hopeful future, suddenly will wake up other parts of you. And these other constructive parts of you will be able to move you forward rather than sit by uh, on the bank of the river thinking about your unfortunate life. And this is the second uh, lesson that I was able to understand. The third thing, live divinely careless. And you know what I mean is in English speaking cultures, one of the very, very strong thing, things that are being stressed is to be responsible. Yeah. And then people become so responsible that they literally kill themselves. They cannot change. They cannot address. They cannot handle. And then they feel guilty. And then a lot of energy goes into guilt. For example, you sit in Australia. You look at the war in Ukraine. And you think, how am I going to stop it? What am I going to do to stop Mm. it? And at first I thought that too. Uh, I'm sitting in the United States and uh, I'm looking at all of this. And then 
It dawned on me. I thought, wait a minute, Tyra, you're a single mother. Why don't you go ask your friends and just start asking them, how are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? And I started tracking about 150 people. How are you doing? Are you alive? How are you doing? How was your night? Were you bombed? How are you doing? And just went through contacting people, which I would never have done in my real life. And I thought life was simple. Just reach out. Ask people how they are. Just don't don't worry about it. Just ask them. They will welcome it. 99.99% will welcome it. Moreover, as they are welcoming it, energy just flows to you and feeds your heart. And I, after two or three days of this reaching out, a lot of energy started coming my way from the war-torn Ukraine. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So here is my hungry, separate heart suddenly feels connected because you thought about them. They are grateful to you. Gratitude flows to you. Then from you flows to them. And I'm thinking, oh, that's how you can live. I'm going to continue. So I, I thought, okay, I'm a single mother. So the closest thing to me is I'm thinking about Ukrainian single mothers because I was one of those. And I started thinking, my God, these people cannot work right now and the salaries are not paid. Why don't I find several single mothers and help them? And the moment I mentioned it to one doctor, she's a doctor at the hospital. She said, oh, I'll send you. And she sends me three to four to five names, I don't remember. And she says, this one is a single mother, has a child, needs chemotherapy, does not have the money for chemotherapy. Second one has a child with autism, needs to buy medicine. And she gave me that list. And I looked at that, I looked at my bank account and started sending money. And very quickly understood, oh, Tyra, that will not work like this. And I immediately understood that this is not how you help people. You do not deplete your bank account. What you do, you connect your energy with the energy of other people. So we uh, put together a short story describing the situation with each woman, each woman, and I knew them. I mean, talk to each one of them and uh, put a short story. And money started pouring so much so that in three days, we already had 18,000. And I look at this and I'm thinking, this is how the world works. It works through energy. Mm -hmm. So the only thing we need to move in today's world is energy. And in order for us to move that energy, you just need to open your heart and connect. Because the money has not left the planet. There is abundance of money. And we just need to connect and move the energy around. And I thought, oh. But it also relates to my life as well. My God, this is a lesson I should learn for myself. Moreover, when you talk to these single mothers, because of the war situation, it's not like, like, uh, you know, there is this distance and you uh, posture yourself and she postures herself. No, you bond immediately. You you say, listen, what do you need? I said, no, I'm kind of, no, I can do it. I say, forget about you doing it. Can you do it? Do you have the money? No. Okay, do you mind if we uh, raise the money? No, but I am able-bodied individual. I'm not supposed to take money from anybody. So forget about that. Do you need it? Yes. yes. Okay, do I have your permission to raise it? Yes. And so they were learning to receive. And you should see, like, you give them the money and you get all the energy back. So I will be sitting in the middle of the night figuring out how to send money to refugee camps. And then I will be talking to them. And you feel like their heart just flies to me and my heart flies to them. And I thought, oh, I'm in the middle of the war and I have never been happier. How did that happen to me? And that happened to me. And I thought, but this is my Ukrainian war technology. But how many Americans or how many people in English-speaking worlds, which are individualist-based worlds, and I as a cultural analyst know what it is and would love to explain it if anybody is interested. But one of the problems of our English-speaking world is that we are taught to go through everything alone. Yes. And these war societies 
taught me to connect, 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 help, help, move, connect, talk, move, connect, without any expectations, mm-hmm. without any expectations for results. And so people who gave the money, I will be sending them emails saying uh, this money went to this one and this one and is doing this and this and this. I am uh, joyous about it. Mm-hmm. People who gave money are joyous about it. People who receive money are joyous about it, and the whole world wins. And I'm thinking, this is how a new economy should be working, because I experienced it. And I did not know about that mechanism. I literally did not know. So the war helped me in that. So this is another lesson that I learned. And another one, which also uh, talks about responsibility. I actually understood that you need to live like a Ukrainian soldier. And let me tell you what a Ukrainian soldier I, I will explain. Ukrainian soldiers write letters now where they say, we know that prayer works. We know. And they describe it. I actually read one such letter. And in one such letter, it says, fear is enormous because death is just staring you in the face. And here come Russians. And then suddenly you feel that you feel a bolt of light and you feel that you become invisible to them. And at first they did not quite understand how it adds up because it's very strange. And then they figured out that somebody is praying for them and they, they would become invisible or suddenly the fear will leave them and they will be able to think and they will be able to act. A good one, yeah. And, and so what I'm saying is Ukrainian soldier counts on God. Unfortunately, that privilege has been taken away from a Russian yeah. soldier and I know why and I can explain. So against all odds, Ukrainians are winning, uh, winning, Russians are losing. Russians have more population, larger country, more armament, more everything. Ukrainians are winning. Why? Prayer. So Ukrainians count on God. They rely on God. They are pushed against the wall. This is how they live now. And I thought, okay, I'm going to learn it. Ukrainian soldier is joyful in a sense that he knows that he is in the groove of his spirit. So if you're not in the groove of your spirit, move away. Do whatever, but you need to be in the groove of your spirit. Because once you're in the groove of your spirit, you move like lightning. And you are more successful than others. You're more skillful than others. You don't know how it happens, but because it's because you're in the groove of your spirit. You move with your spirit. And uh, here is the lesson. I thought never, ever, 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 ever will I ever betray myself. Ever. Because look at them. Russians have everything. Ukrainians have nothing. Ukrainians have spirit. Russians don't. That's the difference. If Russians had spirit, they would be unconquerable. And in the in the meantime, it's a huge country falling into abyss. And it will. It will. Unfortunately, most unfortunately, it will. Because you cannot go away from spirit, away from spirit and farther from spirit and win. No, honey, that's not how it works. Go back, back, back. Don't ever separate yourself from God. And I thought, oh, this is how I'm going to live my life. Never do anything that is not in the groove. Never be anywhere where it's not in the groove, because that's what makes you successful. And this is explains uh, that Russian uh, and Ukrainian behavior. Like, for example, Ukrainian soldiers are divinely careless divinely killers that they are not weighed by the weight of responsibility they know all they have is the present moment and they have their machine gun or their rifle and they can act in the moment do the best they can that's it if you're killed you're killed if you're not killed you're not killed and uh, all you can is try to connect with god inside of you and feel and then the moment you connect with God inside of you then you start feeling it becomes a channel like in uh, literally in uh, not in thermodynamics but in quantum physics uh, energy 
energy, underlying energy of particles. That's what the world is built on. And that energy starts flowing to you. This is another lesson I learned only through watching the war. Oh, my gosh, Tara, that's my whole body is just the energy has connected with me and the messages that you've just shared are so incredibly powerful from a perspective of, oh, my gosh, I've got so many words going around in my head, but. Of how um, we should live or where. Yeah, and just how we should, even just your lessons from law, the war in how to live. That just applies to us in our everyday lives, doesn't it? Exactly. I figured it out real quick. (laughs) Yes. Can I say one more thing? And if I'm talking too much. No, no, no. There is one more lesson. I started looking at countries and I started asking myself why some countries are successful and why others are not. And you know why? Each country has its own idealized image for which it was created. Like America has won and Russia has won and Ukraine has won. If you, if the nation lives her ideals, it will prosper. If the nation does not live her ideas, it will, uh, no matter what you do, no matter how mineral resources uh, are there, it's because uh, are there, they will not prosper. How many arguments were had at international negotiations because the guys I work with say, oh, no, this is the fight for mineral resources. I said, this is an obsolete way of life. Mm-hmm. The only fight today is for your own set of ideals and you living aligned to these ideals that's the only way to success no other way and they say no no strategies of banking investment banking no this is how you make money you calculate i'm thinking this is all obsolete this is the beginning of the 21st century this is it it's 2022 now it's following the energy following the energy of your idealism And idealism of the highest possible kind. And this is so unusual because they say, no, you know, you're like Pollyanna. Yes, the more of a Pollyanna, the wealthier you're going to be. Yeah. The most surprising way of thinking. I did not understand it. Yeah. I 100% agree with what you're saying about if we follow our ideals, then we will prosper. As unpractical as it seems. Yes. Yes, yes. And I think that for a lot of people, and especially the community that this will be going into is about women coming back to what what is important to them in life. And, and, you know, when you are clear about what's important for you and live your life in alignment with that, then we prosper. Exactly. And that's why I could not continue my quote unquote successful career. In yeah. a political, uh, in the political world, yeah. the heart was not engaged. Yeah. Whereas at first I was building a relationship between Russians and Americans. I yeah. felt that this relationship defines the future. And the moment I saw that it was not possible, that's it. I yeah. looked at Putin a couple of times and I saw, forget about you, dude. Yeah. Hopeless. Yeah. I cannot work with you. I will have to wait. And I think that's a really important point too, Tiara, that sometimes when we do follow a, a, a path that sometimes that path changes and that's okay that that you know, when we get when we get if it doesn't fit in alignment with who we are and where we're heading then it's okay to change that path the energy is the guide the energy yes. the energy yes. leads yes. you along the ways but sometimes the energy leads you you look at this and i'm thinking this is not practical no i cannot do that this is not practical and war is so unpractical yes. that you learn not to do practical things you learn to do what the energy wants you because yes. the stakes are very high it's your life yes that's beautiful that's beautiful but before we close could could I ask you, because you are reaching out, you said one of the, the things that you've been doing is you've been making contact with some women in Ukraine and that you've been able to raise some funds. And we talked about this briefly the other day. Um, is there anything that 
our community, my community can do to assist with that? Now, I'm very conscious that, you know, the internationalness of it, like, is there anything that we can practically do to support, you know, women that you've been in contact with, others? Of course, of course. But let me first say the following, you know, each one of us, I would like to say it very, very clearly. Ask your heart. Does your heart want to share money with these women? If the heart says that you need it for your own haircut, do not give it away. (laughs) Then your haircut is more important. Forget about all these moral standards. I am supposed to be helping. No, no obligation. No, no obligation whatsoever. Ask your heart. Now, these women are just wonderful. They never complain. Honestly, these people never complain. I am amazed by what they take and they don't even think it's a sacrifice. So I have on my Facebook page, Tayyar Stewart, there is a story and GoFundMe link to where to contribute money. But people do not contribute if your heart does not respond to it. No obligation whatsoever. Do not give obligation money. Obligation money does not work. Don't give obligation anything. Obligation anything does not work. But let me tell you what actually works. We all need to unite and pray. All of us. It is a very powerful, very powerful, very potent energy that literally shapes the new world. Mm. Uh, I, I would like also to say the significance of the war in Ukraine is that it's just not a military conflict. And I would be very honest. I would say that it's just a military conflict. What can you do about that? It's not about Russia. It's not about Ukraine. It's changing the global order, international security, government institutions, international institutions, the place of women in life, the way of life, the way countries are going to be talking to each other. By virtue of Ukraine being where it is, could you kindly trust my word of a political analyst? It is changing global order. That's where the significance of this war is. So the more prayer for the light ahead of us, the more we will benefit in United States, Australia, Ukraine, Russia. And by the way, could you kindly pray for Putin? Don't wish him death. Yes. He will die anyways. But maybe, just maybe, just maybe he will not throw a nuclear bomb. You see, something will shift in his mind. Could you pray for Russians? Could you pray? Because they are desperate right now. They already know they are failing. And they do not have any light at the end of the tunnel. But these are people too. We will have, in other words, the new world order needs not punish people only, but it also needs to rehabilitate them. This is the new approach. This is a new compassionate approach. They will get their, what what would you say, what they deserve. But we also simultaneously need to give them a hand and say, let me help you climb out of that hole. And that was the hardest discovery for me. I did not want, I did not want it. I did not want it. I wanted to hate Russians, and it's easy for me to hate them. Gosh, Tiara, that's just such a – everything you've said has been so incredibly powerful and insightful and moving, and and it's about that love, sending love and light to everybody. You know, right, the right, right. The whole. No matter how bad they are, no matter how hopeless they are, don't choose between good and bad. Yeah. Actually, give bad more even than you yeah. give good because bad needed more because they yeah. have such lack of light there. And I am both Russian and Ukrainian. Yes. I mean, uh, listen, Russia is not an alien country to me. Yes. And yes, I understood its imperial, imperial disease. And I would love to tell you what I had to go through because uh, I am not a Russian blonde. And trust you me, you will hear from them that I am uh, possibly Jewish or I am from the Caucasus. And that means yeah. me, a second rate person. That's a disease. Yeah. And if there is racism or fascism or Nazism anywhere, pray. 
pray, mm. pray. And if you can, share your money. Only if your heart allows mm. it. No obligation. I hate these envelopes that come to me every day. Uh, or, for example, there are some advertisements. They yeah. push the feeling of guilt. We get phone calls here in Australia asking for donations and money, and that's cannot guilt. That is guilt. I find that very, yes, very confronting. It's, it's cruelty. Yes. So somebody uh, has the right to call you home, and yes. you could be in the middle of something. This is intrusive, invasive. Yes. Cruel, tactless. Yes. I consider this uh, an abomination. Who needs that money? Yeah. And it's also when you talk about the energetic exchange. And so if any of the community here does want to be um, to, to share, I'll share your Facebook details there and people can, if they feel called to do that, then they, they can support. They can if they only they want to. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, there was something that I was going Oh, and when you were talking about, you know, shifting from hate to, to love and sending light, that's for also in our own lives when we have struggles and when we have, you know, maybe people that we find challenging, situations we find challenging. I think the same message goes there as well, is to send love and not hate to that because that then can help yes, shift yes, that yes. energy, shift the energy around things. I'll tell you what. However, there is a caveat there, and I remember very well. Very often at what happened to me is I would be suppressing my anger and I will force myself to be good. Mm. And so I was sending love, but in reality it was not love. It was forced I want to be oh, good yes. and I want to yes. get brownie points for being yes. good and moral. Yeah. So if you're angry, just be angry, be, feel whatever and feel as long as you want to. Because if you allow yourself to feel, you actually will get to the end of it. If you do not allow yourself to feel, that's it. Goes like a beach ball, which you push down. Yeah. So in any case, I, I'm myself a student of this situation in my life, and this was my sharing. <laughs> oh, Tiara, it's been absolutely beautiful, and I think that this we could, you know, we could talk for hours and hours and hours, and it probably no hours in the morning opportunity to to reconnect, and maybe we can do that with a you know a group of women and have it more interactive next time. Um, that would be so wonderful. That would be beautiful. But if people are bored to death, hey, they should run the other way. And so forget well, about yeah. If they're bored to death, that's, that's theirs. I'm, I've been absolutely so engaged and so it, it's been part of my journey to, to meet you and to hear from you and just to be able to connect with you. It's just been such an honour and a privilege and I really am very, very grateful that we were brought together and that we're able to connect. And I think the, by sharing this chat that we're having will also, you know, spread that energy around for others. So I really love and appreciate that the, the time that we've had together. So thank you. And thank much. you very, very much. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can spread the love by sharing it with a friend so she can have a little bit of what we had today. And don't forget to rate and review so we can get it into as many hearts and ears as possible. You can keep the conversation going on my Happiness Hive socials. And if you'd like some more high vibe happiness in your life, come and join me in our community of inspired and motivated women at the Happiness Lounge. This is my online membership club and your central hub for everything you will need to be truly happy and bounce out of bed every day living and loving your best and most beautiful life. To find out more, pop over to the Happiness Hive website and click on the link working with Catherine. Until next time, big hugs and happiness.